Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We are in the book of Deuteronomy. It's chapter 10 where we're going to pick up at today. If you'd like to read along with me, here we go. Verse 1. At that time the Lord said to me, Hew for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain and make yourself an ark of wood. So, here is the, the, um, the uh, Moses, the same Ten Commandments, Moses, um, saying, uh, recounting to the congregation, the children of Israel, who have just been emancipated from slavery about 40 years before this point in the narrative. And they're at the doors, the gates, the edge of the promised land, what they called Canaan back in the day, what is now called Palestine and also called Israel in modern times. And he's addressing the crowd, telling them the he's, the, the last couple of chapters have been about recounting to this younger new generation uh, the story of the exodus of how the people were emancipated and have traveled through the wilderness for 40 years while that generation, while the previous generation died off out of the judgment they received uh, from the Lord according to the narrative and um, while the younger generation 20 years old and under have now grown up and taken their place he's giving these uh, the story of what's happened along the way to them and at the point now in the story he's just in the last chapter we talked about when he got the Ten Commandments Moses that is he went up the mountain by himself was there for 40 days and 40 nights according to the story he didn't eat anything didn't drink anything he was uh fasting uh, well no he wasn't fasting it just says he didn't eat, eat or drink anything so that didn't mean he was necessarily doing it on purpose just like a fast would be intentional um but it did say he didn't eat anything or didn't drink any and didn't drink anything uh, so that's an article of faith in itself if you can believe that someone can go that long without drinking anything um uh, but like we've read about it's possible um there were other elements involved that can make it possible even in modern times you can go that long you wouldn't usually be very healthy like if you're in a coma or something or if you've had radiation poisoning like we read talked about previously but there are ways that it's possible but it's highly 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 uh unlikely and it's not advisable that even if you're fasting on purpose that you go 40 days without eating and absolutely without drinking anything. Um, the, the body needs water. Um, but that's what's happened so far. And then Moses, after he, after he, went those, after he got the Ten Commandments, they were, according to the story, uh, Moses went up the mountain with two blank stone tablets. And then when he came back down, he had the two stone tablets, but they had the Ten Commandments written on them. Uh, not all those other statutes and ordinances that we've been reading about since then, but just those Ten Commandments. Um, but then he was ticked off when he saw that the uh, that the people didn't remain faithful for those 40 days. Now, why would you expect them to be able to? But and so he broke the two tablets, the two tablet, the two stone tablets that had the Ten Commandments on them. And that's what the point where we're at now, where he's been told now to make two replacement tablets. Um, by the Lord, apparently. So, if you're to if we're to believe this narrative, the Lord didn't hew the stones out Himself. The Lord didn't, um, um, uh, but the Lord did write on the stones um, Himself. Not Moses, but it's not really clear why it would take forty days then for Him to do that. But it's what it says. So, verse two, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. And you shall put them in the ark. 
So um, the Lord's letting Moses know those first two Ten Commandment tablets will be replaced. Um, and you can put them inside the Ark of the Covenant. That's like a carrying case, a treasure box, if you will, that the people are, are that the congregation reveres. And it has like a few other holy uh, things considered to be holy articles, uh, like Aaron's rod that budded almonds. Like even though it was a, a walking stick, it suddenly budded almonds um, under you know certain circumstances where it was discussed. And also some of the manna, the bread from heaven, as it's called, like a jar of that is kept in there. And now also apparently the Ten Commandments are also to be kept in there. So um, that's another thing to consider. If those Ten Commandments, those two tablets are to fit into the ark, that might give us an idea of how large or how small the tablets were and how large or small the Ark of the Covenant is because... Moses is an old man and he carried the two tablets up the mountain uh, twice um, and it, they're stone so it's not like cuneiform clay like I said before it's actually stone so he Moses etching the Ten Commandments into the stone doesn't seem likely um, but then again if the Lord it says the Lord wrote it then again, why take 40 days to do that? Why not instead just make a spectacular show out of it, just like the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire and let the people see the Ten Commandments appear like the Wheel of Fortune popping up there for people to see it right there and know that it's not something Moses is coming up with or um, etched out himself, but they can all see it right then. But that's not how it happened. So let's just keep reading verse three. So I made an ark of acacia wood, two tablets of stone like the first, and went up the mountain having the two tablets in my hand. So uh, Moses gone again with two tablets to go get the replacement Ten Commandments again. Verse 4. And he wrote on the tablets according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. For the Lord gave them to me. So um, it's according to the story, the people heard the Ten Commandments being given. Um, but them being actually, I guess, codified, actually written in stone. Um, that part was done by the Lord, according to the story. Um, and Moses alone was sent up the mountain again to go get them on those two tablets. Verse 5, Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark, which I had made, and there they are, just as the Lord commanded me. So the ark was created, and the to the next the new pair of Ten Commandment tablets were put inside of it. Verse six. Now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Benajakan to Masorah, where Aaron died and where he was buried, and Eleazar his son ministered as priest in his stead. So um, that part is parenthetical. So it doesn't seem like that's actually Moses saying it. But it seems to me it's the narrator or whoever it is that's passed on the book of Deuteronomy, um, including that part um, that um, about Aaron passing away. But either way, Aaron is Moses' brother. He was sort of the high priest of the uh, of, at the time when Moses began his ministry or you know, his mission, I guess, of uh, leading the people through emancipation and to the promised land. Only Aaron and their sister Miriam um, and Moses also were found to be unfaithful. And so Aaron and Miriam have died. And Moses also has been given a death penalty in that he won't make it to the promised land either. Um, but he's still been um, 
charged with um, leading the people to the land. So in that sense, he's still pretty faithful. A lot of people, I would think, if they're demoted from some position, that's where their loyalty would end once that demotion ends. But it's not how it happened, according to the story. So let's keep reading. Verse 7. From there they journeyed to Godgoda, and from Godgoda to Jadbatha, a land of rivers of water. So as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these. But there, um, now we're um, retracing the steps of the path that the congregation took along the way. Verse 8, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, <clears throat> excuse me, and to bless in his name to this day. So Levi, the tribe of Levi, is where the word Levites comes from. That's the group, uh, family tree branch that's been um, uh, given the duty, the religious duties, and those specific religious duties that we just read about the ones who are actually going to be the ones carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Um, verse 9, Therefore Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. So um, that's what the Levites get. The other people get to divide up the land and uh, and colonize it and divide it up based on their family tree branches. Um, but the Levites, since they have the special religious duties, they don't get to um, get any land as a possession. Sort of like homesteading was when, uh, and still is, but when the, America was colonized and they uh, allow people to homestead and just take the land and work the land and it became theirs if they uh, were homesteaders in it and you didn't need any money or anything to get it. Um, it's not like that. I mean, there's still homesteads in modern times, but I doubt there's many places in America that you can just go lay, lay claim to them and say they're yours and start building on them or living on them. Although there may be, I just don't know them. Um, so anyway, um, verse 10. As at the first time I stayed in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord also heard me at that time and the Lord chose not to destroy you. So part of the 40 days and 40 nights was spent with Moses, it seems, uh, pleading with the Lord not to wipe the people out again for their unfaithfulness. And they wipe them out again as in this, that wouldn't be the first time that, according to the story, the Lord lashed out at the people and massacred them. Thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And that's before they're even, and that's along the way as they're also encountering problems with the Egyptians who chased them uh, after they left their enslavement and also as they've encountered other people along the way nations and countries along the way that um, uh, fought with them um, and didn't want them to pass through their area um, so Moses, that's part of the 40 days that Moses was up there apparently um, pleading with the Lord verse 11 then the Lord said to me arise begin your journey before the people that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So that's that whole manifest destiny thing again, just like the colonizers of America used. The congregation is using that same rationale to go in and take land that's not theirs and colonize it. Verse 12, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God 
require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So uh, Moses is kind of making it seem like it's real simple to please the Lord, that you just uh, walk in his ways and love him and serve him and then faithfully serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Um, if it were that simple, that would that's perfect. That's beautiful. It sounds easy enough. But then we know all those ordinances and statutes got statutes got cooked up also for the people who have to try to walk by and abide by and hope they don't violate and if they do have to pay for it. Verse 13, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. So he's saying, what else does the Lord want from you just to be obedient? And he's saying the commandments of the Lord. And then he's tacking on and statutes, if that's Moses tacking it on. But if there were statutes also, he had 40 days twice. He had 80 days. If all those other things were to be codified also, why not put them on the stones too? So the people could know, okay, this is set in stone. It's written in stone. It's supposed to be like that for all time. But instead, just putting the Ten Commandments on there and then letting the religion, it seems to me, uh, addendum, add on all the rest of these other things. Verse 14, which turn out to be, according to the way it reads, just a money-making scheme to, uh, like I've said before, set up a law enforcement system where the law enforcement officers are the religious leaders, the people subject to the laws are the congregation, and the price for breaking the laws is you have to pay the religious leaders so it becomes a circle. They cite you for what you do wrong, what they say is right or wrong, which they also are exempt from, just like in modern times. But then you have to pay, and then it circulates itself right back to the ruling class, the elites, the religious leaders. Um, verse 14, indeed, heaven and the highest heavens uh, belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. So Moses is declaring the omnipotence of God to um as possessor of all verse 15 the lord delighted only in your fathers to love them and he chose their descendants after them you above all peoples as it is this day so it's saying the lord delighted in the fathers but uh those fathers are the same ones who ended up with the death penalty unless of course he's reflecting way back to the forefathers the abraham isaac and jacob which i guess then it would make sense if he's talking about them but if he's talking about the current congregation that he's walking with and the Lord didn't delight in them too much he gave them the death penalty and wiped them all out all but two while they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years that doesn't sound like delight to me so he must be talking about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob but then if he's talking about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob we their narratives uh, don't match up with what the rest of the Bible says about the Lord as far as not having seen the Lord never seen his form or heard his voice and yet some of them wrestled with the Lord ate food with the Lord walked with the Lord uh, both can't be true um, but he's letting them know they're the special chosen people and like I said I think they were considered the chosen people because it was through them that um, uh, Jesus would come the Messiah, the Christ, the scriptures would come true Verse six, as we believers believe them to be Verse 16, therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. So he's saying, uh, Moses is comparing 
uh, getting rid of the hard-headed nature, hard-headed human nature, stubborn, rebellious human nature. He's saying get rid of that the same way you get rid of the foreskin when you get circumcised. It gets cut away and it's gone. He's saying that same way, free yourselves from that hard-headedness. Verse 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. Well, now see, that's just like when we read our Saturday night readings about the red letters and being careful to make sure that what what's to be sure we know the difference between what's red letter and what's because that's what Jesus is saying, or at least the quote attributed to Jesus as compared to everything else that's just uh, in black ink. And that's someone else speaking uh, in that same way. You have to, I would suggest we keep that in mind with the verse we just read. Verse 17, that's Moses saying that, um, describing the Lord this way. It's not the Lord saying that about the Lord, um, because if, if it were the Lord saying that about himself, it wouldn't make sense because one, um, the people were, were the, um, were the uh, recipients of all kinds of grace. They were rescued from slavery through signs and wonders and miracles uh, in the presence of their enslavers and then even to the point of having the Red Sea parted for them to walk through it on dry land. Um, but then after all of that, those same people were told, okay, you can go enslave other people and even pass them out down to your descendants from generation to generation to be owned by them. That's not showing no partiality at all. So that lets us know, even though it's here in the Bible, it's not true. And even though it's here in the Bible, it's not the Lord or God saying it. It's a person saying it. So I think just like with the red letter, letters, keep that in mind when we read that it's not uh, who's saying what. And like Jesus says, if you want to do God's will, know concerning the doctrine. I'm paraphrasing there, but not by much. It's John chapter 7, one of the only two places where uh, the will of God is even mentioned in the entire Bible, and but absolutely the only two places where Jesus mentions the will of God, and that's one of them. Um, and here, one other thing to not I'll read over while we're in this verse, if you use the same, you may have other resources, so I'm using the blueletterbible.org website, but verse 17, if you um, use whatever study tools you have to examine it, You'll see where the word for Lord there shifts and changes just like that in the same verse. Lord with all capitals goes from being translated from the word Jehovah and God from the word Elohim in the same verse. Then God still remains Elohim in that verse, but the word Lord changes to Adonai. If, and again, like I said, I'm just pronouncing it as best I can. Um... So why would it go from Jehovah to Adonai and from all caps to uh, just the capital L and the rest of it lowercase? Unless it's talking about either two different deities or two different offices. Or if you can make sense of it, make sense of it. I can't make sense of it. And then except for that, this is probably not the actual Lord God Almighty that's being referred to. But rather, it's how people are describing the entities they're interacting with as being so powerful or so unusual, so supernatural that they, in their eyes, it must be God. And one other thing about that, 
while we're in that same verse, the word God changes in that verse from Elohim to the God or to the lowercase God, ancient deity God, L E L. Um, so again, why that's not consistent, that can't possibly be the Lord God Almighty, and it's even letting us know historically who those entities are. Um, Jehovah, El, uh, Adonai, uh, these different names all saying are translated to either the word Lord or God, um, but not all translated from the same word. So just something to keep in mind. And so that whole no partiality nor takes a bribe part just isn't true. If there's no partiality, then it would be wrong to enslave anyone. If there's no partiality, then there wouldn't be patriarchy. There wouldn't be men are allowed to marry as many as they want. Women are allowed to only marry one. It just wouldn't be that way if there's no partiality. Clearly, there is. If you're going to say, or clearly, that's not the Lord God Almighty. So both can't be true. Verse 18, he administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger giving him food and clothing so in that verse Moses is saying that the Lord looks out for the downtrodden the people who are marginalized the orphaned that be the fatherless the widow uh, that's the one who's uh, the women who have lost their men and um, they need that kind of looking out for because again there's patriarchy the men have the power the men can be the breadwinners. The women have their other roles too, but it's not as the head of the household, generally speaking, back then. And in some people's minds, they want to turn it back to that way now. And they even get women, females, to agree to that. It seems crazy, but brainwashing is real. But he's saying here, Moses is saying that um, the Lord does all these things, looks out for the little guy, and provides for the helpless and needy. Uh, although... Um, if that's true, then why are there so many homeless people? Why are there so many people living on the streets and don't have anything to wear, anything to eat? It, 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 it's just not true. And if it is true, then it's, well, it just, it's not true. It's objectively not true. Um, but it's Moses saying it. Again, not the Lord saying it. It's Moses saying it. It's definitely not Jesus saying it. Verse 19, Therefore love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. And that's a verse that Bible-thumping, uh, God, so-called God-fearing Christian Americans ignore all the time. How are, you loving, how are you honoring this verse 19 if you're putting the stranger in cages at the border? And even worse, or just as bad, sending other strangers, Haitian uh, refugees, back to the uh, spots, what they consider hellholes, where they're trying to escape back to poverty and struggling and all kinds of wickedness why how that can't possibly be true either if you're um if you're gonna say you're faithful to the entire bible and you believe everything in gen from in the bible from genesis to revelation is the word of god and you're supposed to be abiding by it then why in the world would it be okay with so many uh bible thumping christians for people to be locked in cages or worse or just as bad sent back to the conditions they've walked hundreds of miles on foot in some cases or even sailed across treacherous seas in some cases watching their people die in those seas in many cases if um if they were being faithful to this why wouldn't you welcome those people if you're being faithful to loving the stranger it's because they aren't people uh, the american a God-fearing Christian 
uh, uh, is a myth. A whole lot of them are just Bible-thumping hypocrites. Verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. So, um, again, it's not the Lord saying this. It's Moses saying this. And if you keep that in mind, then you'll understand why it's important, like Jesus says, to know concerning the doctrine. Because if you're going to abide by this, then you'd say, okay, it's good. It's perfectly okay to say you swear to God. But then Jesus lets us know, don't swear at all. And he says, let your yes be yes, say your no, no. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37 lets us know uh, there that if you're a Christian, and like I say again and again, if you're a Christian, isn't what Jesus Christ says was supposed to be your gauge and your guide above and beyond any other part of the Bible, much less uh, above and beyond what anything else people may say. Um, and yet that's not what people do at all. Uh, a lot of people, obviously, hopefully, God willing, there are people still actually faithful to what Christ says in the whole under the Christian umbrella. But in the mainstream, it doesn't seem like it. Um, verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and him you shall hold fast and, to him, and take oaths in his name. Okay, so we read that one. Verse 21, he is your praise and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen so um moses is letting the people know that the lord is the one who's been um showing them those signs and wonders and the one who's delivered them to this far to this point um uh, emancipating them from the enslavement they were suffering under Verse 22, your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. So he doesn't mean that literally as the stars in heaven, because I think there's millions or billions of stars in the world, in the universe, although only one in this solar system, the sun, but the, throughout the creation, all uh, many, 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 many stars. Um but not uh, but so I don't think that there's this I don't think there were millions and billions of the congregation at this point obviously because there's only 6 billion or 7 billion people at this point in the in the um as the world turns so way back then it couldn't possibly have been billions and billions of people as there may be millions or billions of stars so he's means he's saying that figuratively he's not saying literally that they are, they are as the stars of heaven He's saying it uh, metaf uh, metaphorically. Um, maybe that's, that's a simile. Yeah, a simile. Um, where he's saying, he's c comparing their um, multitude to the heavenly bodies. And But there are a lot of them. Like we said before in the book of Numbers, when they did a census, there are at least 600,000 men alone. And only men of a certain age alone. And so all sorts of other aged men, like the ones in this congregation that are here now, uh, weren't counted in that, and the six hundred thousand that were counted in that census are all but two gone. So um, over those forty years, there was a massive, uh, what they call a mass extinction event, where all of them were li were um, wiped out, but apparently replaced. Because for Moses to be saying this, that they're so numerous now. I guess that next generation was fruitful and multiplied and replaced all of those and then some who had died away under the condemnation of the 40-year sentence they received. Um, 
that is the last verse in this reading, so we're going to end the reading here. As always, thank you for reading along with me. God bless you for reading along with me. I appreciate you reading along with me and hope you'll join me again. Stay safe and I love you. Peace be with you.